0: Welcome back, everybody. It's Decal Download, your source for the latest news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning with Commissioner Amy Jacobs. I'm Reg Griffin. We appreciate you joining us this week and every week. You can always find us at decal.ga.gov or on social media. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and more. Well, our very first Decal Download podcast was September 24th, 2018, and we began with a simple chat with Commissioner Jacobs. Over the past four years, these episodes have proven up to be among our most popular, so we always try to take some time for your questions gathered from our Decal team and on our social media channels. And Commissioner, it's also like a Game of decal jeopardy for you because we usually cover a very wide variety of topics.
1: You are right, Reg. Uh, <laughs> and I just enjoy these uh, so much, but now I'm always happy to answer any questions that might be out there. Uh, and I'm happy to do that today.
0: Always a lot of, um, as we said, different topics because mm-hmm. we cover a lot of different things. You know, we when do. I first came to work for decal in uh, what was it, 2011, no, 2012. I, I had the the idea that because it dealt with children so young that it would be fairly narrow in scope. And I don't think I could have been any more incorrect. Did you have that assumption also?
1: Uh, you know, you, d- you definitely do not um, get the true feeling of all that decal does until you actually work for decal. I mean, you can have an idea. Um, but, you know, when I think about when people ask me what I do, It's definitely not an elevator speech because it's a lot. You know, I don't think anyone understands how complex it can be. It's not just Georgia Pre-K or licensing child care or subsidy or nutrition. I mean, it's there's so many things that we do under all those big umbrellas. Um, There's a lot that DCal does for young children and child care programs and teachers all across the state. Um, A lot of good things, but you're right. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty complex agency.
0: Well, and I know you've had these conversations with people outside of Georgia, states that are looking to begin similar agencies. I was talking to Nebraska the other day mm-hmm. and they were gathering information because they're considering doing this. Yeah. And thankfully we've produced a history of decal brochure <laughs> that people can find online or we can send them on email or something like that. But it's uh, it's really fascinating. And and uh, the, the folks in Nebraska were amazed at how everything just fell into place um, when they decided to kind of pull all of these different responsibilities that deal with children under one umbrella. And that's been continuing right on up through the moving of CAPS from uh, DHS to DECAL only a few years ago.
1: Yes. Well, five years ago now, 2017. I know it doesn't seem like that long ago, but that was five years ago when we moved, you know, fin- the final movement of the eligibility from DFACS to DECAL. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I get a lot of questions too. I just talked to a group from Tennessee that's um, considering the same type of structure that uh, we have in Georgia. So I'm glad we have that document, um, but I'm um, also happy to, you know, have the conversations as well, because I do think there's a benefit in how you deliver services by having a DECAL type organization.
0: I just hope, and our folks are so good. This is not sucking up, I swear, but our team is so strong. I just hope we don't make it look too easy for the right. other states because there's a lot of hard work. I mean, not a easy. lot of no,
1: work. Not easy so, yeah. at
0: all. <laughs> well, good luck too. I think, uh, and we talk about this occasionally. I know Washington State has a department, Massachusetts, Georgia, I want to say New Mexico. New
1: Mexico, yeah.
0: And I, that might be the only I think those state. are the
1: only ones. And I, I believe Washington State even kind of changed theirs. And so mm. they're not just early learning. I think they include juvenile justice now, too. So I don't know if we can count them anymore.
0: Okay. Well, maybe it's, <laughs> it will remain at about three. We'll just keep you know? saying a, a few. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very small number. Well, it's difficult to do one of these kind of recap. Uh, episodes without mentioning the pandemic years and the unprecedented COVID relief money received by DECAL, $2.1 billion in federal funding. Drop that at your next um, party or family reunion. If if you work at DECAL and you want to drop a little fact in that will impress mom, dad, cousins, uncles, $2.1 billion in federal funding. And the focus has been stabilizing child care, supporting families' access to high-quality child care, and supporting the early education workforce. And Commissioner, how have we done so far?
1: Well, you know, we have been busy uh, implementing all the projects to get these dollars out the door, but, you know, as far as stabilizing child care, which I, I do believe was the main focus of uh, Congress when they allocated these dollars to all states, we've definitely done that here in Georgia where we look at um, you know licensed childcare pre-pandemic and now when we've got around I think it's around forty five hundred it, it changes a little bit every day but for the most part the same number of licensed childcare programs pre-pandemic and now we'll call it post-pandemic so I do believe we've stabilized the number of childcare programs um, but I don't want to not recognize that obviously they're still struggling um, we hear that they're really they're still struggling with enrollment it's still down by about eighteen percent. Uh, when you compare it to pre-pandemic. And then they're really struggling with recruiting and retaining teachers. And then we hear a lot about, you know, workforce issues in all sectors, um, but childcare is definitely experiencing the same thing right now. Really a hard time trying to find teachers at this
2: point.
0: Well, I guess at its worst, we were at about 30% of the licensed childcare programs in Georgia that remained open. They never Mm -hmm. fully closed. Uh, So about 30%, that began to bounce back somewhat quickly, don't don't you think?
1: Yeah, it really did. I, I saw an, a little post-it on my desk the other day of from March 2020 when we were tracking that really closely. Um, and yeah, I think at the very beginning, a lot of them were closed just because no one knew what to do at that point. But as mm-hmm. you know, guidance came out from the CDC and from our own Department of Public Health and from DECAL, I think they began... Uh, to put some, you know, procedures in place that made them more comfortable to reopen, and they knew it was important, you know, to reopen for the families that they serve and for their staff to keep them on board as well.
0: Yeah, we've always said hindsight is twenty twenty, and this is really a case. Actually, you could it, it's sort of a double meaning now. Hindsight is all about twenty twenty. Yeah, true, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you're looking at post-it notes and things, and we didn't know. We really did we not no know idea. what to do. And but uh, if you want to have a lot of fun, go back to the podcast. Uh, Our very first podcast after the pandemic and the shutdown, we literally were here in this building, had sent most of our people home. And uh, what's really funny, uh, on a lighter note, is that all of us are jammed into our little small studio, (laughs) so there's no distancing at all. And so if you want a visual of how we didn't know what we were doing, that's a good one. Um, Very true. <laughs> but we were trying to get information out as quickly as we could. And we definitely shifted uh, our online presence, doing a lot of things online, trying to continue, you know, George's pre-K at home and infant toddler tips. And a lot of things that we're continuing to do today um, mm-hmm. came out of that. So, you know, lessons learned. We learned yeah. a lot. Uh, of what we were doing. Um, so we still have about $400 million left to spend, and you've announced a comprehensive plan to support child care providers, the ECE workforce, families, and other groups. Anything you'd like to highlight there that maybe is more pressing coming down the pike sooner than later?
1: Um, you know, there are 19 projects in that plan we announced at uh, the end of June, and so we are working um, as fast as we can to get those implemented, you know, just some highlights. I think the first thing that will go out are our pre-K classroom grants since, um, you know, that's the e- that's the easiest way for us to send money is through our pre-K grants where each classroom will, will receive $5,000 to buy materials, technology, curriculum, you know, whatever it is that they might need because four-year-olds are hard on the classroom supplies. And so mm. we're happy to be able to do that. I believe those will probably go out first, um, but just to highlight, you know, two other Big grants that will go out directly to childcare providers are the health and safety grants. As you know, you know we're that's the foundation of everything we do, especially through our licensing division, is to make sure that childcare programs are healthy and safe and, and following our rules. And uh, sometimes they might need you know some assistance with that and some um, materials and supplies to do that, like playgrounds or fences or um, cameras, whatever it is they may choose or what their issues are at the time. And so we will be, we're developing in a process to do some um, $80 million worth of grants directly to child care programs for health and safety enhancements. And then, you know, a lot of programs are going back through the quality rated process. Quality is also important and kind of, you know, it's a stair step after you reach those health and safety uh, requirements. And we did virtual um, assessments for a very long time, which are very different from in-person. So we're going back to in-person, but again, with in-person visits, you need Materials and professional development for your teachers, and so we'll also be doing um, some grants to childcare programs. Programs called quality rated restoration grants to help them through that process so that they're successful. But there's a lot more to it. But those are just some highlights of of what will be coming soon to childcare programs.
0: i was just looking at the health and safety grants, which are very interesting, in, in light of everything we've been through over the past. Couple of years, and those awards will range from five thousand to forty thousand dollars, based on capacity, and will fund facility improvements that uh, impact compliance, injury prevention, and consumer product safety commission compliance. So uh, that's very interesting to dig into just that one piece of a very comprehensive plan of the four hundred million dollars. If you're looking for uh, more details, you can find podcasts detailing all of these projects on season 4, episode 51, that's projects supporting child care providers, and then season 4, episode 47, going back a little further, projects supporting families, and then later this month Deputy Commissioner Susan Adams will join us to talk about projects supporting the ECE workforce. We knew from the start that was going to be too much for one podcast. So we broke it down into three and you can go back, listen to those and then be looking for the episode with Susan coming soon on the ECE workforce. Uh, Mm -hmm. Always interesting to talk about. Well, last month, Governor Kemp announced his plans to spend up to $12 million from the governor's emergency education relief funds on our summer transition program under Georgia's pre-K program. Tell us more about that.
1: Yeah, we really appreciate you know Governor Kemp's support of our summer transition program, and uh, these gears gear funds will um, help us hopefully expand the summer transition program even more than we've done in the past couple years. Uh, I do have to say, this past summer, uh, we also were awarded some gears dollars of a little over eight million dollars to help us support summer transition. Uh, we hope that we'll be able to continue to expand this program. It's a six-week program in the summer, um, you know, after pre-K or before pre-K, depending on which program you're in. We have a Rising Kindergarten program, which is for those students that maybe didn't get a full year of Georgia pre-K. Maybe they've been identified as needing a little bit uh, more in the cl- more time in the classroom before they go to kindergarten. And then we have a Rising Pre-K, which is for specifically students that's home language is Spanish. Uh, We know they need a little bit uh, more support before they enter Georgia pre-K. And so we did a pretty large expansion because we knew that many children just didn't have access to pre-K. Maybe they were in and out because of COVID. Maybe their program was closed, whatever. We know they needed some extra support and the governor supported us on this and will support us again next summer. um, And we'll be looking to even expand both of those programs around the state. Uh, we we think we'll probably serve over 4,500 students in both of those programs, and hopefully we can um, even expand that next summer so that more students will have access to this six-week program.
0: That's great. All right. Yeah. Look forward to that. I'm going to step out of the way. We've got some questions from our social media audience, as well as our team here at DECAL. Let's start with this one. Allison Sederland is our Head Start Collaboration Director. Allison asked, what do you think makes a strong partnership between early care providers and the community? The grants DECAL provides often reference the importance of strong community partnerships. What should they look like and or include from your leadership perspective?
1: You know, I think um, uh, as we talked about, we do a lot at DCal, and a lot of folks may not know that we do provide grants to communities um, because a lot of this work and building the early learning system at the community level you know, happens in in counties and cities, not at the state level, but we're happy to provide the financial support and any type of guidance. You know, I think a big part of any type of early learning partnership at the at the local level is, you know, thinking about all those folks that should be around the table. And it's really about collaboration. So it's about, you know, having childcare programs around the table, um, local school systems, your public health partners, Head Start, early Head Start, your business community, because we know how important that is. Um, so it's about really collaboration and making sure it's not just about early learning and childcare providers, but the rest of those community, which sometimes we call uh, B eight, sometimes uh, birth through eight uh, community tables. Sometimes our mm. community coordinators do a lot of that. So it's about you know what types of services and our programming and our resources do uh, young children need, and making sure you have all of those partners around the table as you think about providing that easy access, no matter what um, the child or the family might need. So it's really about collaboration and having all the partners around the table to do the work.
0: And, you know, we often say this when we're talking about our nutrition program, but there are a lot of civic organizations, city and county government organizations, faith-based organizations that want to be in the early child care space. And, um, you know, that's a possibility. I mean, to be thinking about all the possibilities of who you should be partnering with. And it's very much a local thing. You know, childcare very much a local grassroots issue.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, having it, you know, uh, providing grants at the community level allows the communities to decide, you know, who their best partners are. And you're right. A lot of nonprofits or faith-based can definitely get involved that, in that way. And they want to be involved. And so I think that is definitely very appropriate to do at the
0: community level. Many are just looking for the right idea to come along, and you may have it at that local level. So, uh, good luck as you're working through that, and as Allison says, as you're looking for strong partnerships between early care providers and the community. Uh, we go to Facebook next. A question from Laura and Glaya concerning a change in rules and regulations for family child care learning homes approved by the Board of Early Care and Learning on August 25th. And and Laura has several comments here. She writes, in regards to the amendment allowing all areas of my family childcare learning home to be inspected, when the rules state that dogs and cats must be kept away from the children and that space is now allowed to be inspected, how are we to keep the children away from said animals? Uh, She says, I, along with all six of the children, I keep will have to accompany anyone going anywhere in my home. I can't leave children that are supposed to be in my care alone in another room while guiding someone I do not know into the private areas of my home. That there were a couple of concerns raised around that new rule. I just wondered how, uh, what advice you would have for them.
1: Yeah, and I understand there were a lot of questions, and I think um, we are planning to do a lot of clarification and webinars, and you know, community outreach around that, um, so that there's not as many concerns because. Uh, we don't want it to be that way. I think it's important, you know, to recognize that even though this was a change to our rules, this has always been allowable under state law. We were just clarifying it and putting it into our rules just so that it's, you know, it's crystal clear. But just, you know, I think the first thing, especially for family, child care, learning home operators to know, we don't plan to go in your entire house unless there's a reason to. And usually, you know, unfortunately we do get complaints um, of, you know, many different things, child injury, or uh, an unlicensed child care provider caring for children that they're not supposed to, and they need to be licensed or caring for many children. And so, you know, if we get those types of calls, we, we are required by law to go investigate. And we need to be able to look at the whole house if we have reason to believe children are somewhere other than where we're currently assessing the situation. You know, on very, very rare occasions, um, we might hear a child in a room where we're, we don't have access to and we would need access to make sure that that child is safe. And so, um, you know, it's a very rare occurrence that that would ever happen because, you know, for the most part, child care, family child care and centers are safe places for children. But we need to be able to have that access if there was a reason to believe that children were in another room that wasn't currently a licensed space. And so, I know there's a lot of worry about that, but I, I just don't think that you know it, it's not going to happen that often. And we will work with the provider um, as closely as we can to make sure that um, we respect their space and their privacy, but also make sure their children are, are cared for if we do need to do some type of investigation.
0: And for the more casual listener of Decal Download, <laughs> how would you define a family child care learning home?
1: Um, so if you uh, care for more than two or less than six unrelated uh, children for pay, um, usually in a home, um, it's usually in a person's residence that they, um, they choose to care for these children and they are licensed by us.
0: Right. Some people might, you know, on the surface, see that and go, Oh, is that unlicensed care? No, it should be licensed. That's right. Um, That's right. now if you're just a, someone caring for a few children and there's no pay involved, then Then you're not required to be
1: licensed. Right. Right. Exactly.
0: Um, By the way, Laura also asked, do you ever, do we ever post photos from family childcare learning homes uh, on our social media, she mainly sees childcare learning homes. We did respond to her and say, yeah. absolutely, we yeah. love to post pictures. And she's since done that. And it's been among our most popular.
1: Excellent. <laughs> so, good. Yes. Yeah. Send them to us and you'll get them posted. Yeah, right.
0: absolutely. We love to see them and uh, nothing more precious than the kids that you're caring for. As long as you get the permission of the That's parent. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me just say that as the social media uh, editor. Um, We've got to have that permission at uh, in your program. But once we get that and they're okay with it, nothing more precious than those yep. little faces. I mean, Absolutely. they're just adorable. And it so reminds us, you know, when we go to a program, when we look at photos from a program, really reminds us of the reason we do what we do. And uh, so, yeah, keep them coming. Absolutely. Um, Well, we're heading into the 2022-2023 school year. I think all on board at this point. Uh, I know we had a couple of uh, school systems in Georgia that don't start until after Labor Day. I think it's an all skate at this point. Everybody's in. Um, And that brings up a couple of topics. First, how are things looking for Georgia's pre-K program so far this year?
1: Well, you know, Georgia Pre-K is um, open and operating. We won't know exactly what enrollment looks like until probably October. We've got to, you know, let kids get in and get settled. And then those programs will submit their information to us through their rosters. You know, we have definitely heard um, more so this year than any other year that Georgia Pre-K is having an issue in some areas finding teachers. Um, And so we'll have more information again in October on what that looks like. Um, we also don't know what enrollment looks like. We're, we're hearing, you know, anecdotally, you know, I'm full, I have a wait list or I'm still looking for kids. So again, we don't have a whole lot of information yet. We know that the programs are open and operating. And so, uh, we will have more information in October about exactly what enrollment looks like. I'm guessing it's going to be higher than last year. It, mm-hmm. it keeps you know returning to pre-pandemic normal. And that's what I'm hoping for as well this year.
0: I know we dropped a little in the 2020 and we picked mm-hmm. up uh, significantly in yeah. 2021. So hopefully with things back to normal, with uh, immunizations for children now, even the youngest children um, will will be good. Um, let me ask you this, and we didn't carve out a specific question for this, but I will add this if that's okay. You, you mentioned teachers and pre-K having trouble finding teachers. We're also hearing that from just child care in mm-hmm. general. If someone were to put you on the spot and back you into a corner and say, what is DECAL doing to help with that situation? What would you say?
1: You know, we have DECAL Scholars, which has been in place for over 20 years, which is an incentive and scholarship uh, program where if you go back and get a credential or you get a new credential and you work in child care, we will you know, provide you um, some financial assistance Uh, We sent over $100 million out through power payments, which was a $1,000 payment three times uh, to child care teachers and staff and pre-K to help uh, recruit and retain them in the classroom. And then we will have an upcoming podcast with Susan Adams about all the additional workforce initiatives that we will uh, be rolling out very soon to help address this. So we've got a lot of things that we've done that we will continue to do, and then a lot of new things that are that are on the horizon that Susan Adams can talk about uh, to try to help with a workforce issue.
0: And obviously a lot of that relief money that went directly to childcare programs can be used to uh, help recruit teachers, retain teachers, uh, all of that. So absolutely. We know it's tough. There's there's no question about it. Don't think Mm -hmm. we're sitting here pretending not to know. Uh, But I think we've done a lot of things to support childcare uh, through some very difficult times. By the way, don't forget uh, Georgia's Pre K week with Voices for Georgia's Children's coming up soon, October 3rd through 7th, where lots of special guests read to students in our pre K classrooms. That's very exciting to look forward to.
1: Yeah, it's a great week. I'm looking forward to it as well, especially as we um, celebrate a big milestone in Georgia Pre K. And it's always good to see all the pictures uh, that folks send to us. You know, these are legislators, um, local community leaders state leaders um, that go out and read to pre-K classes, and they enjoy it, and the students and the teachers enjoy it, and and, uh, we're happy that they uh, celebrate with us every year.
0: Yeah, um, it's always a great time, and again, nothing better than going out to a local program, reading to 22, 44, sometimes 66 (laughs) kids uh, all in one room, and they love it. They don't care who you are. I mean, they're they're thrilled that you're somebody important in their world, but uh, they really don't care. They 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 do not care. (laughs) They appreciate someone that looks like mom, dad, grandma, grandpa reading to them. They think that's great. It is the 30th birthday of George's pre-K. And you may wonder, uh, why aren't we making more of a big deal about that right now? Well, we have this other anniversary uh, that's going on. And so we've sort of decided to move the bulk of the celebrating of the 30th birthday into 2023, because it's a school year, 2022-2023. Let's talk about, though, that other event, which is the 10th anniversary of Quality Rated. How do you feel about that? I
1: know. um, I think that snuck up on us a little bit uh, when we were talking about, you know, what's going on this year? Oh my goodness, it's 10 years of Quality Rated. We began officially rating programs in 2012, and so we're happy to celebrate 10 years. And you know, celebrate all the many programs, almost 3,000 that um, have been rated since that time. And we'll be doing a lot of uh, regional celebrations around the state that we'll talk more about exactly where those will be and the dates to celebrate those specific programs uh, that were originally, originally rated 10 years ago and still remain rated. So that's going to be very exciting.
0: You know, uh, Dr. Bentley Ponder, who's our Deputy Commissioner of uh, Quality Innovations and Partnerships, or QUIP, as we call it around here, tells me that the very first classroom observations and uh, programs being rated actually happened in September of 2012. So we're very, very close. Someone asked us the other day, we walked up, we were at a child care program. They said, what's the actual date? And Bentley said, well, that's kind of hard to nail down exactly, but we're within the right month anyway.
1: Right, September.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to celebrate it for the remainder of of the year. Speaking of which, we kicked off the celebration in a grand style uh, on September the fourth with the Atlanta Braves, and you had the opportunity to throw out the first pitch. What was that like?
1: Oh, it was it was great. I would consider it, you know, once in a lifetime to be on the Braves field uh, in front of the huge crowd with family and friends and everyone <laughs> watching. No pressure whatsoever, no pressure. but you know, the Braves organization was very welcoming and reassured me that it would all be fine, but it was so fun. And uh, they were, just, it was just a great experience. And um, I'm glad to see all the pictures. Now I didn't watch the video until after it was all over, just in case I made a fool of myself. <laughs> and so, uh, but it's great to have those memories and it was great to kick off quality rated, even showed our ad to yeah. you know everyone in the stands, which was fantastic. So they knew what we were talking about and what we were celebrating and um, it was a fun way to kick everything off and looking forward to more celebrations. Maybe not quite like the Atlanta Braves game, but it'll be fun to go around the state and celebrate programs.
0: Yeah. We had a big tent. Uh, and, and by the way, kudos to the quality rated yeah. team. And uh, Sonia Steptoe uh, was amazing. She sort of led the effort there on setting up the tent. We had a prize wheel. Uh, yeah. Gosh, what else do we had Prizes to give away. Um, all kinds of things to help celebrate. I'm looking at a, this is proof, there's the sound of a Braves game day program. Um, And you had a full page ad uh, for 10 years, a decade of stars uh, with a QR code. I love this, a quality rated, a QR QR code is what we Mm -hmm. have here. And you scan that, it takes you right to qualityrated.org. Uh, and like you said, we showed the commercial on the big jumbotron. That was fantastic. You know, what I was impressed with was um, how respectful the crowd is in those moments. You, w- you would think that are just waiting for the game to start, you know, or right. the national anthem or something um, beautifully performed by the Etowah High School yes. <laughs> chorus. Wasn't that cool?
1: Yeah, they did a great job.
0: Um, but they really paid attention and, and gave you guys, everybody that was recognized as part of Quality Ready. Callie was there. Um, they really loved it. And then we had a commercial that aired on all of the Braves radio uh,
3: okay.
0: uh, broadcast all weekend long in their series with Miami. So that's kind of cool. Hey, yes. do you want to relive the moment for a second? Sure. <laughs> okay. sure. <laughs> we, we take you now to Truist Stadium, and uh, what a moment in the life of Commissioner Amy Jacobs and the Quality Ready program, and it sounded a little something like this.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, please direct your attention to Braves Vision for a special message from Georgia's Department of Early Care and Learning. On behalf of the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning, please welcome... Commissioner, Amy M. Jacobs and her two children, Lane and Charlie. Quality-rated director, Denise Jensen. Research director, Randy Hudgens and son, Everett. Quality-rate specialist, Melinda Knowles and her two children, Ava and Leah. And the agency's mascot, Callie. Please join the Atlanta Braves as we congratulate Quality Rated on a decade of helping Georgia's youngest learners and their families receive star-rated child care. All right, Commissioner Jacobs, fire when ready. Steve rike let's give Commissioner Amy Jacobs and everyone at Quality Rated a big hand.
3: It's time for Braves Plays Ball. Let's play ball.
0: Well, there you have it. I mean, to relive that moment. And how cool for Lane.
1: I know. She said it was the best day of her life. And so I'm glad <laughs> she was able to do that, too. Uh, I think she was a little nervous, but she, she did a great job and got to say, let's play ball. How exciting is that for a nine-year-old?
0: I know. <laughs> my gosh. Now, here's what I want to know. You have two children.
3: Right? hmm
0: they so have a son, C j, as he right. likes to be called Charlie.
3: Mm-hmm. How
0: did he feel about uh, little Sis getting to make the announcement? You know, he
1: was okay with it. I yeah, I was a little, you know, torn as a parent, of course, but I they were both on the field with me and both recognized. So he thought that was super cool because he had some friends in the stadium, you know, that didn't know <laughs> he was going to be on the field. And you know, Lane is a softball player, and so that's why I chose her because she has more connection to the game uh, than Charlie does, so he was, he was definitely okay with it. He probably would have been too cool anyway to do that. So she was the perfect age.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, and I uh, had a rain delay, uh, yeah, about the a little fifth bit of inning. A rain
1: delay. Yeah.
0: Um, and then came back two hours later, you know, the, the word was, it was an official game. They could have ended and it would have counted as a win because they were going to the West coast, I think. Um, but Fortunately, they were able to come back and they won seven to one. So yeah, it
1: was a great game. I'm glad we got disgusting. it in because we were watching the forecast. Obviously, oh my goodness, what are we going to do if it gets rained out? But it didn't. It was successful.
0: Yeah, it was pouring there for a while, but yes. uh, it, it was a it was a great great day. Um, well, we had sad news uh, last month with the passing of former Georgia first lady Sandra Deal uh, following a battle with cancer. Uh, Someone you came to know and appreciate in her countless hours reading to students in Georgia's pre-K program. I know you were there for the memorial service uh, in Gainesville as well. What do you say about someone that had such a legacy of serving and loving children?
1: You know, she was just an amazing individual. And I'm just so fortunate that I did get to know her very well. I mean, who gets to know a first lady as well as I got to know Mrs. Deal. And so many other people got to know her just as well. You know, I was at the celebration of life that they had a few weeks ago. And everyone that spoke just said the same thing. She was genuine. She wanted to talk to you. She wanted to shake your hand or, or hug your neck. And she wanted to know how you were doing. She, that was just how she was. And she loved going to read to classrooms. She, you know, as we've said, and you've heard, she read over a thousand classrooms in their eight years in office. And I do think she loved every minute of it. She had more mm-hmm. energy than all of us combined. She wanted to keep going. You know, we have funny stories that it wasn't just pre K week for her, it was pre K month. Yeah. She was going to make sure <laughs> we helped her schedule visits the entire month of October, not just the first week in October. And we sure do appreciate, you know, her support and. Her family and, and Governor Deal will definitely be in our prayers because I know they will miss her you know, just as much as, as we will. But she definitely made an impact on our state and at DECAL. So many of our staff got to know her and see her. She came and spoke at our staff meeting. Anything you asked her to do, she was there to do it to support you. And um, she became, you know, just a, a dear person to us and to me. And her presence will be missed. But, you know, I know we all have great memories of her. So I'm thankful for that.
0: I was talking to one of her assistants and she said, if you ever got a thank you note from Sandra Deal, it was handwritten by Sandra Deal. And I happen to have, I actually have two in my office. And so those become more and more valuable uh, to me personally. I remember uh, we were taking some of our pre-K teachers of the year on something that became a tradition for pre-K teachers of the year. And that was a personally guided Sandra Deal tour of the governor's mansion. And I'm telling you, um, she saw that as the people's house and as the really a, a living museum, uh, dedicated to the state of Georgia and all of the predecessors. And I remember talking to her once and she said, I just sort of took this on because I'm a school teacher and I wanted to learn everything I could about the house and share that with people. And let me tell you, she knew details like, no one. I mean, those, what do they call them? Docents, I guess, yes. in yes. museums. I don't think they could hold a candle to Sandra no. Deal.
1: No, I got to attend a couple of those tours, too. And uh, she did a great job. And She told you every detail um, that she knew and she knew them all. So uh, those are good memories, too, that yeah, we get to see. All rooms in the mansion.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Into the personal uh, living quarters. I stood in Governor Deal's closet and saw the boots, the matching boots with the suit. Exactly. Well, our friend, uh, she really was. And um, WSB Radio Sandra Parrish actually used audio from our podcast um, to create this tribute to Sandra Deal for Atlanta's Morning News. It's our pleasure to share that with you now.
2: When she became the wife of a sitting governor, Sandra Deal wasn't going to be
3: content just sitting around the governor's mansion. I just said, I've got to have something to do that can make a difference.
2: In 2019, just before Governor Nathan Deal left office, she sat down with Reg Griffin and Commissioner Amy Jacobs with the Department of Early Care and Learning and explained why she had a heart to foster the love of reading
3: in children. I was invited to read in a couple of schools and... I just enjoyed it so much reading to the little ones. Now, I was a sixth grade school teacher, but they would just get so wrapped into the story that I felt like I was really engaging them and getting them interested in in the necessity for them to do the work.
2: She made it a mission to read to 1,000 schools during the two terms her husband served as governor, and she did, hitting all 159 counties and all 180 school districts,
3: some more than once. You know, I would ask them what they wanted to be when they grew up, and one boy said, I wanna be a garbage man and ride on the back of that big old truck. And I said, well, you know, we're going to need good garbage people because they would have our neighborhood smelling bad if they didn't work and pick up the garbage. And so they're very important. But you need to be able to read and do math because you're going to need to send bills to those people but you also have to know where to go to pick up their
2: garbage. Mrs. Deal who graduated from Georgia College and State University was surprised in 2017 by her alma mater when a new institute dedicated to professional development for teachers was named in her honor the Sandra Dunnigan Deal Center for
3: Early Language and Literacy. It never occurred to me that they would name something like that for me but I was pleased and honored that they did, mainly because both my mother and Nathan's mother were early education teachers, and so the Dunigan Deal named both of them.
2: Sandra Deal was 80 when she passed away. Sandra Parrish, 95.5 WSB.
0: And you can hear the full podcast interview with Sandra Deal from January 2019 by going to season one, episode 17. And uh, it's priceless. And let me tell you, if if you want to know what Sandra Deal was like, listen to that podcast because she's one hundred percent genuine, <laughs> as they say. Yes, Sandra Deal. Yes. Um, so a, a lot of fun. Well, um, those are all the topics that we had. What's top of your list right now as we head into the fall? We talked about the start of school. We're back in Georgia's pre-K. You've got this four hundred million dollars you need to spend. What? I hate this question, but what keeps you up at night, as they say?
1: Um, you know, um, the, although we were very thankful for the over $2 billion, it has taken all of our time <laughs> um, to decide, you know, the best projects and the best way to spend the money, but then to actually implement those projects and get the funding out the door. And so we are still focused on that. Uh, and it's taking all of our time because obviously, you know, we can't Hire a, a lot of new staff to do these things because this is one-time dollars and they go away, and so um, that is what is uh, we're focused on right now, and we're happy to do it. Um, and we will, you know, coming up in January, we had another legislative session, so we'll be preparing for that as well. We had to start thinking about that early, but um, it's really about getting the remainder of these dollars out the door at this point.
0: And I guess we owe a big thank you to our entire decal team because you had all of this money. But you don't just spend it, um, you know, based on some type of a gut feeling. You actually call on our research department to do a lot of research. They contact the individual divisions. What do you think about this? How would this work? And they're doing their regular work. I mean, the regular work never ends. But then on top of that, hey, could you uh, help us out with our government, you know, our, our uh, funding uh, spending, on the, the COVID relief funding. Um, could you help us celebrate the 10th anniversary <laughs> of Quality right? Could you help us start up the pre-K year and celebrate the 30th year? And they just do it, uh, you know, day mm-hmm. in and day out. Amazing team. Yes,
1: we have a very dedicated team. I'm thankful for them.
0: All right. Well, um, until next time, we will always take your questions, of course, through our social media. You can always email us, decaldownload at decal.ga.gov, and just mark it as a question for Commissioner Jacobs. And uh, in a few months or so, we'll gather those back together again and uh, share them with Commissioner Jacobs. But as always, we appreciate it. Now, what are your questions for Commissioner Jacobs? Let's go to the water cooler.
1: Hi, Commissioner Jacobs. This is Bart Ellington in the Finance Unit. Um, we're paying out a lot of money in COVID relief right now, and I'm curious as to what your thoughts are about the effects on providers when this money runs out. Thanks. Well, hello, Bart, and thanks for your question. You know, I do worry about that, and I've I've said from the very beginning that um, while it's the the funding was necessary, especially to help with the impact of COVID for childcare. It is one-time money and it does go away. Uh, we have no guarantee that it will continue and are planning that it will not continue. So depending on the fund source, it runs out in September of 2023 or September of 2024. And um, I do worry about that. And I talk about you know the cliff effect and you know artificial stabilization of child care. Uh, we do hope that uh, we are putting some business supports around child care and offering them any type of training or that they may want on you know, how best to utilize these dollars and not to see a huge impact when the dollars run out. And so uh, I think for the most part, they all are aware of it. I hope they remember it and keep it in the back of their mind because this, this is a lot of money that's going to child care on a monthly basis for you know, almost over two years on a consistent basis. And so I hope that they are planning for that. And we will certainly provide them some supports to to help them manage through that as well. So there's not a huge impact when the money does run out.
0: And I think I've asked you this before, but did you ever imagine you would be responsible for a budget of $2.1 billion at
1: you know, No, our annual budget is about a billion. And that includes some state dollars, some federal dollars, and some lottery dollars. And so on an annual basis, without the COVID, it's about a billion. But no, not $2.1 billion, almost all at the same time. And you got to mm. figure out how to get it out the door.
0: Yeah. yeah. Nope.
1: Resume builder. I'm just going to say that. I don't
0: know. Right. Exactly. And it's time to give you a chance at winning a nice prize in the decal download quiz brought to you in part by Chick-fil-A, Georgia Aquarium, Georgia Lottery, the School Box, Shake Shack, Waffle House, Wild Adventures Theme Park in Valdosta, and the World of Coca-Cola Museum. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers to this question. Email your response to decaldownload at decal.ga.gov. Here's the question. Out of the $2 billion Georgia has received for early care and learning after COVID, how much did we say remains? Out of the $2 billion Georgia has received for early care and learning after COVID, how much did we say Remains. Send your response to decal download at decal.ga.gov. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers and you could win a nice prize. Thanks for playing and good luck. Thanks for listening to the Decal Download Podcast. The Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning improves outcomes for children and families by strengthening early learning experiences and partnership with early education programs, professionals, stakeholders, families, and communities. Their vision is that every child in Georgia will have equal access to high-quality early care and education. For more information, visit their website at decal.ga.gov. Join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M Jacobs. Oh, <music>